Cheap Dog Nation, what is up? What's going on? I'm really excited to have you here. Welcome to another episode of the Sheep Dog Nation podcast with your host, me, Autumn Schmidt. Okay, so for this next interview, I am bringing you somebody who is going to really get you fired up, especially if you're a cop's cop. Welcome to Sheepdog Nation Podcast, the only place on the internet where law enforcement and their families can come to be understood, supported, and stood up for. Here's your host, the always entertaining, down-to-earth, yet-in-your-face truth speaker and Leo herself, Autumn Schmidt. Up inside, I think what it would be like to be in my patrol car um, with my buddy. His name is Nick. He's a Miami cop. Um, we met online. He's literally... He's a cop's cop. We line up on absolutely everything. We have real conversations. He is, he's just, honestly, he's down to earth. He's somebody that I think that every cop needs to be following on social media. He actually writes now. He's got like a blog. Um, and I'm going to be giving you all of that. So just go right down to the show notes. You're going to be able to find his um, Instagram handle and you're going to be able to find his link so that you can like check out his writings because it's as real world shit. He is a no bullshit guy, just like me. We both have an attitude. Um, but anyway, so it's going to be a really good episode. So tune in. And at this time, I'm going to warn you, this is a really good time that if you are not using headphones or you're around children or somebody who doesn't like swearing, then pause it or put your headphones in because it's about to get real. Nick, what is up? How are you? What's up? I'm so excited about this right now. I'm so excited to have you, man. Can you tell? We're we're riding together right now. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Welcome to my cruiser, man. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. Who's driving? Who's driving? You or me? Me, always me. All right, fair enough. That way you that way you can get out really fast. Like when just, I don't even have to be in park. You just just tuck and roll. Just tuck and roll. That's it. Jump out. That's right. <laughs> can you tell Sheepdog Nation a little bit about yourself? All right. Uh, my name is Nick. I'm a Miami cop. I was actually uh, originally in in New York City cop. I started off in Brooklyn, where I'm born and raised, as you can hear in my accent. Mm-hmm. And I did about four, uh, three four years there. And then I I guess I watched too many episodes of. Uh, Miami Vice and wanted to be Tubbs and ended up being a Miami cop for like the last 12 years now. It's freaking awesome. So you, you decided to go do patrol where it's warm. Yes. Like- I, I literally, my car wouldn't start one day and I just got tired of the snow and I had to like dig my car out. Cause I think like sanitation just came by and I had to get my car out again. And I just like got pissed. I was like, fuck this shit. I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. So then I applied to every, I, I applied to like four different apartments that were all in warm States. Mm-hmm. I think I applied to like LA, Vegas, Phoenix, and Miami. And whoever called me first is where I was going. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. So, yeah. so wh- why did you want to become a cop, Nick? I am actually third generation New York cop. No so, shit. Yeah, I know. You didn't know that, right? No, you're like Blue Bloods, man. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, I wish I was like Frank Reagan. I had a little more juice. That would have been <laughs> awesome. But, yeah, so um, I actually, my grandfather on my dad's side was actually a fireman first. No kidding. And then became a cop in uh, where my parents are from in Trinidad and Tobago. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of followed over to the NYPD. And then uh, one of my other uh, cousins, he's a cop. He's, how old is Sean now? He should be retired now. Mm-hmm. And then um, I came on, I came on. And then after me, my little cousin, who I'm actually going as my, his graduation uh, in a month or two, he's going to be on the job now. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so is this in your blood, huh? I guess so. I, you know, I really didn't put two and two together because I actually wanted to be a military officer. I wanted to be a fighter pilot. I think I watched like Top Gun and Iron Eagle a hundred fifty times. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be like, like Doug Masters and Chappie. And mm-hmm. then it never worked out. They're like, you got bad vision. I go, ah, oh, all right, fine. I guess the family business I had to do. Yeah. So, I know. I guess I'll have to right. settle. So yep. what do you think, real quickly, because I know you have kids, so what are you going to tell them, be cops or firefighters? <laughs> um, I'm going to tell them, do whatever they want. So real funny story, right? My son already thinks he's a cop. So <laughs> he, puts, he puts my shield on, and he has his Nerf gun, and then he has a hanger that's his taser, and oh he also God. has a little radio. 
And the school teacher just told me last week when he's in school that if a kid is like bullying another kid, he comes over and he wants to like collar him up. So he's like, you're under arrest. And he makes them put their Back. Oh my like, gosh, I love it. I know. Awesome. Well, we know what we know what part of the family business he's going in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he totally is. He totally. I, I tell I tell Adam all the time. My husband, I'm like, I'm like, listen, our kids, they're not being cops. They don't have a choice. They got to go be firemen. Like that, they, they got to go live the life. <laughs> my husband's yeah. like, no, that, if they want to be cops, they can. My my daughter, she's the opposite. She just wants like she's just happy to be in the room, mm-hmm. and then she she's his driver. So she drives like the the paddy wagon. That's her job. Oh. You know? I love that. Yeah, that awesome. those two are comedy. So, so, Nick, what was okay? Can you fill me in? Like, what was it like to work? You know, in New York, what was that like? It's a very different atmosphere than than working here in South Florida. So, in New York, I remember I came on right after like that nine eleven time. Mm-hmm. So, being a New York City cop was awesome. Because everyone like loved you, and it was just like it, it was like that scene in that movie Gladiator, like when you know they're they're riding through Rome, and like the flowers are being thrown at you, and the roses and the ticker tape. That it was that's what it was like. Because my first day on the job, actually after graduation, was mm-hmm. working Times Square. Oh, so they were like, "All right, you're gonna watch the ball drop, and just don't do anything stupid, rookie." And I'm like, "All right, that's cool," you know. So I was like super excited. You know, and then, you know, it was like that for the entire time of my career up there. It's just very, very compartmentalized. Like I, I worked, I did field training and like my friends will all laugh because I know they're probably listening to this later on. I got, I wanted to work in Manhattan. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be a Manhattan cop, you know, lower Manhattan, good food, you know, it's a chill place to work. Mm-hmm. Wrong. Where did I get put? Where did my cousin make sure that personal order went? 75 Precinct, East New York, Brooklyn. So this is probably one of the craziest places you can work. You know, it's a little more calm now, but those cops, they work. They, that, they earn their money over there. Let me tell you, right? It is no joke when people say University of Brooklyn North, because that's what it really is. Really? It, oh, yeah. Oh, big time. Big time. So I kind of got smacked in the face because I'm like, all right, you know, this was like going to be a cop. And then I went to, I just finished going to military school. So it was like going right back into military school because- mm-hmm. All these guys are like, all right, listen, kid, you know, don't talk unless you're spoken to, you know, you're a rookie, know your place, blah, 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 blah. And I used to be like, ah, oh, this sucks, you know? Mm-hmm. And then there's no, the, the way field training was back then was literally the guy that, the guy or girl that had six months on before you that were finishing their field training was your training officer. Mm. So it's like, it's like the blind leading the blind. We're like, all right. Wait, so do you remember how to do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me, let me go back to page 358 oh, in the damn. Police Academy manual, and uh, we'll figure that out, you know? So I got in a lot of trouble just because I didn't know any, you know, I didn't know anything. You know, you're paying attention to the Academy, but are you really? Mm-hmm. You know, six months thrown at you. So damn. that was a real, like, kind of smack in the face into policing. But mm-hmm. I, I really think that it shaped the cop I am today, and, and I was a lot better for it. Mm. you know yeah it, def- it definitely smacked me in the face of like okay shit's real we're in brooklyn now you know you have the power to you know take people's civil liberties and you have the power to, to do a lot of things and if you don't know what you're doing you're gonna get jammed up mm-hmm. so how do you not get jammed up do the yeah. right thing so yeah no shit oh, well, yeah. So, so tell us like because I, I know i'm dying to know so like what so tell tell us like a little bit about Miami, like what it's like to be a cop down there. And, you know. <laughs> Miami is just how you think it would be. It's crazy. It's like vice and like kicking indoors. Everything that you want to do in a cop show, you can definitely do in Miami. Oh my God. I will tell you straight up. I mean, you know, because the thing is here is that cops are very independent of each other. So, and at least in Miami, it's a little different in Broward and Palm Beach you know, the, the areas that are north of us. But mm-hmm. in Miami, we all work together. So there's 22 different agencies and there's one like sheriff's office, but it doesn't even matter because everybody's on the same page. So 
you'll get like a car chase coming through your city and then like you know another unit will come over and then like you'll start hearing guys like speaking spanglish that's how you know if it's going to be good or not because if they start getting all hyped up they're like wait, wait, bro 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 then you know it's going to be legit and it's, there's definitely going to be like you know a real good chase going on oh so it's it's really crazy like that you know like i learned a lot being a cop here i mean my my the base of my knowledge was from new york and i still haven't lost that but you really learn how to be like a gunfighter here you know mm. if you really want to be so if you really want to learn how to like kick ass and do all that swat stuff you can definitely do it in in south florida cuz they're all about that you know, like we, like our cars, like, you know, we have like all kinds of toys and, you know, you get qualified to use everything. Like I can use, I got like a smoke grenade launcher and you know, like, like ballistic shields, you know, we don't have to wait for SWAT for most things, you know, mm -hmm. so they have, that, that's what happens here, you know, and it's crazy. And then when I, when I started, I started off in patrol here after about uh, four or five years, I ended up going into crime suppression which was a totally different style of policing. So that was all the shit that you see on TV. You know, like the guys, like the Miami Vice dude with like the undercover car and, you know, having to pick up a like informant somewhere, you know, mm -hmm. that's what it was like. So mm -hmm. I'm like, oh shit, this is like the real police, you know? Yeah. And then, and then working with like other cops that are like undercover cops that you can totally tell are not cops. Like you would be undercover here for sure. Really? Oh, yeah, because you would be like, you, they have you in the club. They're like, all right, Autumn, listen, you're going to keep your name, but, you know, you're going to be like this other chick from, like, Davie, Florida, right? No. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 for sure. And then you'll have to go in a nightclub and, you know, like, act like you're, you know, this guy's girlfriend or some shit like that. You know, we're setting them up, you know. Wow. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Like, the, the, the undercovers here do not look like cops. At no. all. They, they pluck them out. They pluck them out the academy, like, three months in. No kidding. Yeah, so they don't even have a chance to get into the whole cop culture. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, badass. I it know. is badass. It's kind of smart. That goes yeah. badass. Oh, yeah, super smart. You know, they don't yeah. have a chance to get into police culture. They're like, hmm, okay, you're cute. Let me pick you. Or you look a certain way. Let me pick you. You know, yep, now you're going to be a drug dealer. <laughs> you know? Damn. So I got to get into, like, that kind of, like, policing. You know, and it was really, really good for me. I, I got to learn a lot about the law, about how to actually write warrants, you mm -hmm. know, because most cops are shitty writers. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just like, oh, my God, bro, this is, this is the arrest form you got? Mm -hmm. Something else, bro. Come on. Mm -hmm. So I really learned a lot about, like, case law and what you can and can't do. Mm -hmm. And it was a really, really different style of policing for me, you know? Yeah. And, and so he, here's the thing is like, I, I just have to ask you this because it's like popped into my head, but because of course, you know, obviously, I think, you know, obviously where I, I've been a cop is obviously a lot fucking different than where you've been. But like for my experiences, like, yeah, you go into the academy, we learn, but like I learned what I could and couldn't do as a cop literally from like my FTO and my supervisors and like all the other cops. I'm like, oh, oh wait a minute. So I can search a car for A, B, and C. And they're like, yeah. It's like this, like, you know what I mean? So like, I didn't, I don't know about you, but like you go in the academy and yes, you study case law, but I'm not, the way that I learn is I only really learn is if I'm actually doing it, which I, I learned by, I learned by fucking it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So like as a cop, that could be best, right? It's horrible. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. Like, let me tell you that. I think it was like your last podcast episode, right? Dominic Izzo was talking about the entire policy, how it's a, uh, I'm going to fuck you up book. That's, mm -hmm. that's what I like knew the policy manual because I fucked shit up. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh man, you know what? Now I'm going to get a decline prosecution on this case because I fucked that up. I should have asked him this or I shouldn't have cuffed him and I should have did this and blah, 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 blah. So I, that was the beginning of my career. You know, I, I don't even think I knew how to legit be a cop until like six, seven years in. And then I was like, all right, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess, you know, mm -hmm. so it took me a while to figure this shit out. A long time yeah and and I, I can't say that i disagree with that i can say that from my experience see, i was working i started out um working court security mm -hmm. and so i was already like i was in the judge's chambers every fucking day and she'd be bitching about like this damn police officer when you get out on the road don't do this blah, 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 blah. you know what i mean and i'm like oh, oh yeah 
Oh yeah. So, oh, yeah. so I definitely learned like that way, but like I couldn't agree more. Like I, I can say from my first two years on the road, like I literally, I know the DA was like, oh yeah, here we go. Clifford, what the hell? What, what kind of report is she going to write now or something like that? Cause I didn't oh, know. Totally. The <laughs> only thing I, the only thing I relied on honestly was having my college education. So I would just write like really big syllables, <laughs> a lot of syllables and be like, all right, tumultuous is a word. No, let's use that. Let's use that in a sentence. You know, and then and then eventually I actually had a cop who's my best friend and he actually saved my life, like legitimately saved my life in a crazy shooting that I know we'll kind of get to in a little bit, you know, but he taught me how to be a cop Yeah, because he is a really good writer. This kid never went to college. Like he was just like in the military, but I don't know what it is. Policing's just in his blood. Like he's, he's an awesome dude, you know, (laughs) He is the epitome of badass cop. He showed me what it was to be a real cop and how, because he was tactically sound Mm -hmm. and he was also really good with law, Mm. you know? So he had both of those things going for him. And he's like, listen, I'm going to take you under my wing because I think you're a fucking cool dude, even though you're an asshole, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to put you under my wing, bro. And I was like, all right, I'm with it. Let's go. And you know, and you know, Nick, you bring up a really good point because I have to say that and it's not in all cases. So, you know, there are those, you know, people who definitely like, definitely don't have somebody to take them under the wing and you have to like learn all by themselves and blah, blah. But I, I will say this, like there was definitely some people, pivotal people in my life that definitely took me under their wing. And because of that, I definitely, you know, I definitely was a lot, I became a good cop because of them. (laughs) I'm telling you right now, if I didn't have people taking me under their wing, I would have got fired or jammed up by now. Yep, absolutely. Straight up. Straight up. I know there was, I was doing like, and I wasn't, I was never that cop that was just being a dick. I mean, uh, sometimes I would be, but for the most part, I just didn't know what I was doing. I'm like, okay, I thought I was supposed to do A, B, and C. And they're like, no, you dumbass, do this instead. And I'm like, oh, I guess you're right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. So they really kind of like held me down and, and I, my mouth always gets me in trouble. I'm telling you, I think I got like at least a solid four policies in, in my department off of my mouth, <laughs> at least, at least three, three mm-hmm. to four, mm-hmm. you know, now, and I, I will always remember there was uh, my first police chief when I got down here, right? He was an awesome chief, you know, because like, he was a, he was the old school cop that you always like talk about. Mm-hmm. Where I mean, this guy used to carry a sawed off shotgun on patrol with him. <laughs> right? I love it. And, yeah. and he's a huge dude. He wear like a whole bunch of jewelry. He looked like Mr. T. He was an intimidating dude, but he was he was cool, you know. Mm-hmm. And he came into roll call one day, and he was like, "All right, guys, you know what? I need to say something in roll call today. Um, I think that you guys need to be more like Nick Jacobs." And I'm like, oh, fuck, what is he going to say? He goes, no, just, I'm just, stay with me here. He goes, you know what? He says whatever the fuck he wants, and he's usually right. And if he doesn't know something, he's going to look it up in the book and figure it out before I even get to jam him up. You know, just mm-hmm. be like that. Be that guy. And I'm like, so I'm like, oh, shit. So now all the sergeants are looking at me like, see, you see what you fucking did? See what you fucking did? I'm like, my bad, bro. I didn't know he was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. oh, and everyone like like older the because oh, our, our my department has a lot of turnover but of recent like the older cops that remember that always talk about that they're like yep that's nick you know the chief always said that about you bro he's like yep he's like he's like you never have a problem calling broken arrow on yourself i go nah fuck no mm-hmm. i was like i'll figure it out yep absolutely Yep. I know. And as far as like when we talk about running your mouth, I don't know if you, if you heard that episode, but I was talking about, oh, yeah. um, you, you know, my sergeant, he couldn't find anything to jam me up on, which, you know, that was because I had been on the road for a little while. So, you know, you know, the loopholes and you know, the ins and oh, outs, you know what I mean? And you know how to go far, but you don't go too far, but you go just far enough that you piss everyone off. Yep. So I'm, I'm real good at doing that. And so the only thing he could come up with is, and he looked this up in the dictionary because this guy, no, he, he, he couldn't, he, no, like he, anyways, he spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to jam me up. And this is what he said. You are too curt. C-U-R-T. <laughs> and I'm like, Sarge, what the hell does that even mean? Oh, well, you're, you know, the way that you talk, you know, you're just, you, you, you're just, you're too curt. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So how long did it take you to look that term up in the dictionary? 
Yeah, whoopty fucking do that you found a word to to use against me. Yeah, I use I, I a, a lot of my career maybe until about three years ago. I was a boss fighter. Like that's like a term, like an up north term that everyone knows. Mm-hmm. You know, where you would just cause hell. You you would just be mayhem for sergeants. Mm-hmm. You know, and I used to be like that all the time because my thing was I was like, listen, if you're a piece of shit sergeant, I'm gonna let you know you're a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're either going to do two things. You're either going to try to fuck me over or you're going to spend all your time doing that or I'm just going to make your life hell. And mm-hmm. I've, I've made plenty of supervisors lives hell. You know, I played like fuck fuck games all day mm-hmm. because you can. Because at the end of the day, a lot of these supervisors, they got what, three, four years on the job. Yeah. You know, I got 10 plus. Mm-hmm. I know all the games. They're just figuring out the game. So I'm going to win. You know, mm-hmm. eventually in the long run, they'll win. But for the short term, oh, I got him, you know? And then I just said, one day I just said, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to stop because it's not getting anywhere, you know? Yes. I'm just going to relax. I'm going to sit back. And actually, I think you talked about it on one of your podcasts, like one of your early podcasts, kind of talking about that, where you just got to kind of change your, your trajectory, mm-hmm. you know? And I said, you know, you know what? And, and, and I always remember that when I decided to kind of do that. Yeah. And that's that's all when we're talking about stress and all that. That's like right in line with it. And I know? think, yeah, and I think like that comes to a point in every cop's career. You know what I mean? Like we we come out, we're right full of piss and vinegar, and we're ready to go tell everyone to screw off. And like you said, I mean, and the thing about us, especially cops, you know, like we will spend the we will go the extra fucking mile we will spend forever and trying to figure out technicalities right whether it's within the department whether we're trying to you know figure out technicality or you know whatever with a law i mean like let's just be real you know we all know know the popo laws like we all know that you know we know what we're doing you know and and we're trying to figure things out and loopholes inside the agency and the sops and stuff like that but at some point like you said you you get to a point where you're like all right i definitely need to transition here you know yeah, yeah. I hope. Know, and some and sometimes, you know, like you come out smelling like roses. Other times, you know, you got bosses that remember that shit and they just mm-hmm. like, you know what, I'm gonna spend the rest of my career fucking this guy. And that's the thing. You know? And that really is the thing and, and I hate it. You know, I hate, I it. hate it. Yeah. Like no no one talks like adults. They can't just say, Listen, all right, me and you had beef back in the days, let's just settle this shit, you know, and go on with our lives. No. Nah. They, they will never do that because they're like, nope, I'm not going to do that. I'm not laying down. I'm mm-hmm. not going to let them win, you know? And, and see, that's the thing, you know, Nick, and I know, you know, you and I were pretty aligned in this, like, you know, the, obviously you know how passionate I am about the police suicide rate. And like, here's yeah. the thing is like, people just don't get that. Like these supervisors, like, I don't understand you were never, you were a cop. Like you still are a damn cop. Like, well, how are you forgetting where you're coming from? How are you doing that so quickly? And like, they don't understand just like, you know, just like Izo said, like he said it in that podcast. And he was like, just the little, the little jams, like the little nudges that, you know, um, supervisors do it'll cause you mayhem oh it kills you it literally kills you oh yeah oh yeah i've seen it take down plenty of cops you know like i was just talking right before this podcast i was talking to one of my friends who's kind of getting jammed up with his job right now medically you know where they're trying to use his military service against them all kind of shit like that Mm -hmm. and one of the things he said to me was he goes you know as long when you're in this job long enough you'll see all of your heroes die Mm. and i go fuck man that was deep bro that was deep you know, it took me a little while, like a solid hour to kind of process that. And I go, you know what, man, I, I can't, I can't let that happen to me, you know? And that's what I always say, like, cause I know my career, I mean, I'm coming towards the end of my career now, mm-hmm. but the way you extend your career, and I think that you're doing it early on before you even got to like that 10 year point mm-hmm. where you're kind of leaving a legacy, you know, mm-hmm. because if you do that, then you'll live forever. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody won't remember the bad shit about you. <laughs> Even the bosses. The bosses will be like, oh, man, you know what, Autumn? Yo, badass cop. You know what I'm saying? Yo, she was taking down this guy, blah, 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 blah. You know? Yeah. That's, and, that's what they remember. And, you know, and I really appreciate you saying that because this is a really fucking good point is the legacy. And every cop needs to hear me out and hear you out right now. Like, it really is about legacy and like it, but it's not easy. Here's what everyone needs to know. It's not easy, especially in the beginning. It's not easy. And like, you know, those hero cops that we 
you know, we'll go and we'll sit around and, and you always hear those stories, right? Like, especially with veteran cops, yep. veteran cops definitely like raised me in my career. I can tell you that. And like mm-hmm. sitting there listening to them talk about like shooting the shit and be like, Oh yeah, freaking, you know, Frankie, he was dead at the time. He was this and he was that. And, and we talk about all these different cops, but what you have to know is right probably in that moment or during you know, a lot of different times in their careers where these cops who actually left legacy, what you should know is that they, it wasn't easy for them. It wasn't easy. They went, they went through so much shit. And like, I can tell you right now, like even putting myself out there, like I do, you know what I mean? Two times a week I'm in this podcast and then I'm on social media and I'm this and I'm that. And I can tell you this, Nick, like so many cops talk shit about me right this moment, but, oh, I, I, but I know you know what I mean? You know, 10 years from now, when people, when cops are coming to check out, they need something and they, they're going to come listen to my podcast. This is what they're going to remember me by. You know what I mean? Exactly. exactly. I always said that. I go, you know what? I remember I had a captain that actually told me this. He always, he was the one that told me leave a legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't remember his name right now. I totally forgot his name. He was over in, uh, we were in uh, Brooklyn North Precinct when I was still in NYPD. And mm-hmm. he told me that. He goes, listen, always be the cop that people go to and have questions to ask because then you know right then and there that you have the the support of your guys, Mm. you know? And that's how you leave your legacy because if you're the go-to person, those those are the guys that you want because, you know, they're the impromptu supervisors. With me and you always talk about leadership and, you know, how to develop leaders from day one. That's how you do it Mm -hmm. on a grassroots level. If you know all the answers and if you don't know the answer, ask someone else. Like, I'll tell you right now. I don't know. I know dope, guns, you know, that kind of shit, mm-hmm. right? When it comes to, like, sexual battery, uh, economic crimes, I got to I gotta go to other people that know mm-hmm. that shit. Mm-hmm. I have no clue about that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I know the basics. I'm like, all right, uh, this might be a fraud. You know, this old lady just got defrauded out of 80 grand on a, you know, Nigerian scheme. How do I help her? You know, but for the most part, I don't know shit about that. Right. You know, and when you have the ability and like the self-actualization to know that you can go to other people, that's when people respect you. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? I I couldn't agree more. And I can say, so here's the thing as a woman, is that we're more apt to do that, like more quickly than a man ever is. And so like, I know like coming in- a lot of like a lot of the guys that like would train me, my FTOs and stuff, they're like, this is the one thing I like about a female. <laughs> Instead of going and trying to think you know it all, like you'll just, you'll have the humility to fucking just ask me or you know what I mean? And whatever. And I'm like, well, yeah, in the beginning we're like that. You know what I mean? In the beginning. Then a couple of years into my career, sometimes, you know, I could be like, no, I know it all. So fuck all of y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, and we get like that. We get like that. That's typical. It's normal. So if that's what, you know, if that's what cops are going through, if that's what you're going through right now, she bow gets normal. But like, listen to what Nick and I are saying as far as like, get also like, you got to knock that shit off too. Like, because it's cool for a while, but then it, but then it's like, all right, because people don't like that. People are going to set you up to fuck up. That's what's going to happen. They're going to go, oh, okay. So you do know it, right? All right. When the next call comes out and it's a shit bird of a call, we're just going to give it to you and you'll unfuck yourself. Exactly. But we'll see how you do. Exactly. You know? And this leads me into my next question. So I want to talk to you a little bit about like police culture and I want to, I want to hear what you think about it. What, what's your thoughts? I think police culture is very different today. I haven't because I'm also, oh yeah. So a little bit of background on me now is that I am a field training officer part-time. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of pick and choose what rookies I want to deal with now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also a firearms and tactics uh, instructor and active shooter instructor. So Police culture today is very, very different. Like I always call, I think it really, really changed after like Ferguson Mm -hmm. and also after, I would say like Ferguson, Freddie Gray, like that, like that time, Mm -hmm. those two are like one of those pivotal moments in law enforcement change. And, you know, everybody hypes like, like, oh, the body cam, like I, even I got crazy about the body cam. I'm like, I don't want this fucking thing. Now I love it because it absolves everything about you. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, it's. I don't like the direction that it's going. I think it's turning too much in a corporation, right? Mm. It's right now it's all about paramilitary. I think that is the biggest crock of shit. Just because we wear a uniform does not make us paramilitary. The military is nothing like police departments at yep. all. 
you know, because even if it was, right, yeah, there's a good old boy network in the military, right? Everybody that's a military officer will tell you that. But at the same time, you still got to prove who you are. Yeah. Just like, like, you know, it, it's, there's always going to be favoritism. There's always going to be nepotism. Mm-hmm. But you can't be so blatant about shit. Mm-hmm. And that's how they are now. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, all right, we need this kind of person. We don't care that they have like six months on, on the road. So we're going to shit on all these other cops that have five, six, seven years of grinding their nose to the patrol. And we're just going to, we're going to pick this person first. Mm-hmm. That's fucking horseshit. Mm-hmm. You can't do that, man. You know, because now you're telling people, okay, you're, you're, you're actually doing a couple things. You're telling the rookie that they don't have to work really hard for what they're, what they're getting. Mm-hmm. And secondly, now you're burying the other cops because now they feel like they don't have any, any options mm. because they're working their ass off and they're not getting anywhere. They're just still like, all right, yep, uh, you know, whatever, whatever unit number, you know, yep, go ahead and answer that call. Mm-hmm. And they're back to what they're doing. It fucking sucks. Yep. You know? yeah, absolutely. And, so, and then the, the, the other thing is like the whole, the whole brotherhood thing. I mean, that's I tell, where I was going. I tell these new guys, I go, listen, man. All right. I, there's certain rules as a police officer on and off duty that you need to follow. You know, like the, I always like, what is it? The three P's. I mean, you probably heard it before. The three P's that will get you in trouble in this job. Mm-hmm. Prisoners, property, and pussy. Mm, yeah. I've heard that. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you if you don't if you follow those rules, you will have a long career. Mm-hmm. Don't lie. Like I mean, these kids like they just I read some of these arrest forms and I'm like, this is like fucking cat in the hat. What are you doing? Mm. Write this shit over. Mm-hmm. You know, if you need help, you got a body cam now. Use it. Use it. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And and we'll elaborate a little bit more for me. Like what what. What is, in your opinion, like talk about the, we talk about the brotherhood a little bit. Like, what do you think about that? I think that it's, I understand that, like, you know, the generation there, they grew up differently. You know, like I, I totally get it. I ask all these young guys all the time. Why is it so different? Where is the disconnect? I want you to be, I don't want you to be me, but I want you to at least understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, like back in the days, what did we do? We had choir practice, you know, we hung out. You know, you had your little cop friends, whatever. You know, I, I noticed that they don't do that. Like they, it, it is a job for them, you know. Mm-hmm. But I also attribute it to they only want to have it in the short term. They don't want to be a long-term cop. They mm-hmm. want to be here for like three to five years and they want to go do something else. No kidding. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They all do it. You know, mm-hmm. I've noticed that for like the last couple of years. Well, what do they go do? What do they want to go do? They go be they go be cops like in like a university or something like that because then they can get a free education. Yeah. You know, or so they they can defer their student loans, or they go work in like politics, or they go work something else. It won't be law enforcement related. But can we even blame them though? Can we just be nah, real? No, nah, I'm not a hater. I listen. I totally get where they're going with it. You know, I see why they're doing it. Yeah. But it does have an adverse effect on why things are the way they are right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But, you know, me, I, I am a big purveyor of, you know, quality of life, you mm-hmm. know, and I, and I think that the bosses today, and I don't really want to harp, I don't want to hammer too many bosses, because I know they listen to this shit too, you mm-hmm. know, but they also got to know where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the, they want to run police departments like corporations, and they're see, not. See, yeah, okay, okay, so let's talk about that, because, see, this is what I, this is what I kind of tell my husband, is if, it, if they would run, if they would run police departments like small businesses, then they'd be more successful, like, like small businesses in Maine, if they would run them, you know, like that, then I think that they would, they would have, you know, we wouldn't be having ever, if you go and look right now, and I don't know what it's like down there, but I'm going to assume it's pretty similar, but I know that if you, if, if you go in the, if you go in the, um, like the, uh, if you go look for jobs right now, and you just type in police officer in Maine. I mean, it, the vacancies are unfucking believable. Oh yeah, ridiculous. Down here in South Florida, every department's hiring. They have departments, right? Like mm-hmm. perfect example, Boca Raton Police, right? Mm-hmm. Those cops over there, that that's a pretty nice area, right? It's an affluent area. Their starting salary is close to eighty grand. Wow. Right, and they can't find bodies. Mm. Imagine that, right? I think it's like the starting salary is like sixty-eight, and then after you finish the academy, it's like eighty-one or something like that, and they can't find cops. How is that? That's crazy. You're, crazy. you're making you're making more than you would make at like any other job, right? right. Mm-hmm. And you still can't find officers. 
Well, yeah, because like, and, and it's sad. It's what it is right now. It's, it's sad. We're in a sad state of affairs because who the fuck wants to be a cop right now, man? It's hard. Like, it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's wicked really hard. hard. Yeah, it's really hard. You know, and, and like I said, the quality of life, you know, like, yeah. listen, I get that police bosses now, they got to kind of be politicians and all that. I don't agree with it, but that's what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they do it. They, they're, you know, unapologetic about it. And mm-hmm. they're like, listen, I want to keep my job. I worked hard to go up the ladder. So I want to keep my job. So I got to bark the way they want me to bark. Mm-hmm. I get that. But at some point, you also have to decide, listen, I still wear a gun and shield. Mm-hmm. So I need to back my people. You mm-hmm. know, like I remember when I, cause I told you I went to military school. So one of the classes that you take is Army ROTC. And in that, there's a saying, mission first, people always, right? Mm. That's, a, that's a huge one. I write it down everywhere. I've always said that. Like, listen, take that. care of your people because they're, they're so focused on the morale of the community versus the morale of the cops. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. How the fuck are you going to do that? Like, you work with these people and you don't give a fuck about them? How is that possible? You really need to do, co- co- what is it? Coffee with a cop, cookies with rookies, mm. fucking nonsense, right? It's bullshit. It, it is. It's complete bullshit. And not only that, the community knows it's bullshit because you get the same people. Listen, if Aunt Gertrude is freaking sticking people up, then yeah, it might work. Mm-hmm. But she ain't sticking nobody up. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the only people that are coming to these meetings. Mm-hmm. It's not the actual community is coming to this shit. Right. Yeah. And I, and I do, and I, I've seen you post on that and I'm, I'm right in line with that. Like, I do think that, you know, some of it too, like with the kids or whatever, like, you know, I think, listen, I like toys with tots. If you want to give them Christmas gifts, that's cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. But all the other shit, it's like, we really need to start addressing the problem. You guys, it's like, you know, up in Maine, a big one, and we we do tip a cop where, you know, you have cops and they go and they work as waiters and waitresses and and whatever. And and it's cool, but here's the thing. Like, this is the way that I see it. It's like, I think that we need to be catering and like, let's have a meal for our police department. Let's- you know what I mean? Like you got, you want to build morale. You want it, you want to have, and like, and this is what, like, this is what everyone fails to for like, remember. And especially like the community and like the citizens and shit. It's like, if you want to have a better relationship with your cops and you, you need to have happier cops. And the way we have happier cops is if they're taken care of and they don't feel like they're getting jammed up. And every time they turn around, you know, Sergeant admin, white shirts, whatever, you know, they're not, they're not trying to do something. And so then, and then you have happier cops who want to have conversations with you, who will actually go the extra mile because they're not so stressed out. You know what I'm saying? Like they're going to go and call the call to call because there's actual enough police officers. There's enough boots on the ground. Correct. You know what the easiest way to have cops happy and have like, if you want to bridge the community, yeah, have like a day where you're at the park working out, have like a workout session mm-hmm. with the community. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I do that all the time. So I just started that recently this year. Right. There's like a local high school football team. I'll go over there. I'll go to the weight room and I'll shoot. I'll just, I, I don't even work out with them that much. I just shoot the shit with them. Mm-hmm. So now they're seeing a cop coming into their weight room, which is their tribe. Mm-hmm. Right. Walking in like, oh shit, yo, he really came back, you know, like mm-hmm. sitting here talking with us. It's so simple. That's okay. like, you know, like people, they overemphasize this community policing shit. Mm-hmm. It's, they're, they're, they're doing it wrong. Yep. You know, how, what is it like 70 years old now? Like it's an age old concept and mm-hmm. they just keep mm-hmm. throwing money into it because it's an easy, easy, you know, gift wrap thing they can do and it doesn't hurt anyone. Right. So doing it. It's fucking nonsense. You know what? If you want to get out the car, talk to people, yeah, but don't force officers to do it. You can't do that because then they're not going to be genuine about it. Exactly. Now, I got a question. Did you have? Did you ever watch Flintown? That- oh yeah, I love that. Oh man, that sergeant. That that's like that's my spirit animal. Okay. Well, listen. I got to tell you. I will tell you this. So I put a message into Bridget and. Uh, to see if her and that, the sergeant, if they come on, <laughs> oh. but, but I haven't heard back, but I'm going to try it again. I'm going to message him. I'm going to bypass her because he, she's not listening to me and I'm going to go to him. <laughs> Word. Yeah. We need him on the show for real. Yes, I, love that guy. I do too. I do too. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, one thing that I have to just, I want to talk about, I'm going to use that as an example is um, the, chief, the new chief goes and he creates the cat team. Mm-hmm. And and then he goes and he's like fuck community policing. He's like we're gonna go and we're gonna hit. We're gonna we're gonna you know we're gonna lower the the crime rates, which were obviously like the worst in the country or whatever. And yep. 
time and 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 we're gonna we're gonna go to the heart of the problem where, which is where the gangsters and the criminals we're gonna go and we're gonna every day we're gonna be shoved right up their ass and and so we're gonna let them know we're here and we're gonna make a presence and within like one month like within one month like they had confiscated like like i don't know it was like forty thousand oh, yeah. dollars i'll tell you that let me i, I will tell you right because i've been part of projects like that mm-hmm. it does work to an extent right so you got to hit them over the head you know you got to let them know like listen i'm the fucking sheriff in town this is the way it's gonna go if you don't like it or respect it we're gonna get ran the fuck over mm-hmm. right so yeah. that works but you can't keep doing it because then you run out of people to lock up right yeah there's so many people in the neighborhood so then after you do that then you kind of, you know, soften it up a little bit. You know, like the, the easiest, I remember I told one of my chiefs, I told, I go, listen, you ever look at the U.S. military counterinsurgency manual? I go, it's free on the internet. Go mm-hmm. get that and use that as your policing strategy. And they're like, oh my God, we can't do that. Like, they're going to think they were in militarization of the police department. I'm like, are you fucking serious, bro? Like, a civilian will help write it. You'll be fine. You know, because that's what, that's what we really need to do. You handle the bad guys. Like, I, you can, people today can tell you, as long as I've been in patrol, I have never done anything bad to a good person. Mm-hmm. I just do bad things to bad people. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. And that's the difference. Yeah. That, that's all you got to be. If you, if they have a healthy fear about you or know that you're not going to fuck around mm-hmm. and they have that mutual respect, then they're going to be like, all right, you know what? I'm going to chill. I'm going to listen to what he told me to do yes. or she told me to do. And I'm going to be good with that. And then you build off of that. And, and you know, Nick, hands down, that's it's something I, I want to I talk about real quick is, is that. So talking to a rookie cop, you know, how do you, how do you build that respect, that command presence? Because I built that myself. And I will tell you, I ran in, I had so many less problems than the next fucking guy who would sit there and just fucking go off at the mouth and try to fucking talk them in and be so nice and blah, blah and bullshit. And then I'd roll up and I'd be like, all right, listen, here's how this is going to go. A, B and C. And you've got two options, you know, and this is it. And then they, they just comply because they just knew, you know, it's, it's just this, it's this respect command presence thing that you've got going on and more cops need it. So tell the rookie how to, how do they get, how do they get I, what I usually tell rookies is I go and this is like a Miami term. Like you don't want to be RoboCop. Right. You don't want to come out here and act like you're a badass because eventually you're going to get, you know, found out that you're a fraud. Mm-hmm. So who you are, be the person that you are. You just have to change a little bit to adhere to what it is to be a cop. So what I do for command presence, you know, and I even do it today and I try to like, you know, inoculate in them, like them in that is mm-hmm. I just really tell them, have a mutual respect, respect that bad guy, because that mm-hmm. bad guy is a bad guy today. He may not be a bad guy tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So he may be the one to save your ass tomorrow when you're getting tuned up. Right? That's true, so man. You got, you got to have that mutual respect with them because if you treat them like a piece of shit, then they already know that you wrote them off and they're not going to deal with you. Right. So they got to know that you're, you're willing to kick their ass, but they also are got to be willing to know that you're a person of your word. And that's the thing, a person of your word, Sheepdog Nation, listen to that, because I can tell you that when I work, I worked for the capital of Maine that, um, in Augusta, and it, it, was a, it was a very busy police department, and I, we were fighting all the time, and, we, and there was, and I just remember going and getting into this fight, like I was about to go hands-on, I had no problem, and then all of a sudden, some people that I had arrested, and they just stepped in between, and with their backs facing me to the person I'm about to go hands-on with, and they just stood up for me, and they were like, listen, listen, bro, like, you don't want to do this with her. I'm telling you, she's true to her word and you're fucking up right now. And like, I'll never forget that because I was like, you know, I just like literally had just arrested this person, but because I was good to them and, you know, I respected them as a person, they, they'll never, they never forgot that, you know? And, And you know what? And that is a segue into how do people get into these specialized units, right? Because everybody wants to be in plain clothes, rock a little thigh holster, grow a little beard, a goatee, or get like the sleeve tattoo and all that nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? How are you going to be a good plain clothes detective if you don't have any people in the street that know you or trust you? Mm. 
it's it's physically impossible. You have to have the ability to have your own little crew of confidential informants. True. You know, they, they don't have to be official, but you should know, like if a shooting breaks out, they should know, okay, you know what? Let me call, you know, uh, Detective Schmidt up real quick, you know, and tell her like, yo, listen, homie's in the house with the red roof, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. You know, you could be a street cop and do that. You know, these rookie officers, you could do that. You're going to, you know, they're, they're all like, what, 22, 23 years old. You should be talking to these little, like, young kids that are, like, 17. Because they're the ones in the neighborhood that see everything. Yeah, absolutely. You know, everybody mm-hmm. thinks it's going to be the old dude that's going to be the stool pigeon. Nah, mm-hmm. it's the young people and, like, the little, like, uh, we call them the candy lady out here. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're, like, literally, like, the person that unofficially sells ice cream or the candy or whatever mm-hmm. they got they got all the juicy scoop on everybody in the hood yep absolutely you know? yep and you're right and that is that's a really good that is a good point on how to become you know go and work in these undercover and, and get all these specialized units really good point nick um nick because i know we have to wrap up soon so can you can you just tell me something real quick What's can up? you i already know this but i just want to hear you say it anyways let's talk about Let's talk about what should a cop be doing on their off time to prepare themselves for the job? Like, what, what, I highly favor Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. And I do it for a physical health as well as a mental health thing. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't do this for – I've been doing it now about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And it literally – I know it sounds all cliche, but it changed my life. Right? <laughs> My, my use of force went down. It's a proven fact. I know if my supervisors hear this, they love it because mm-hmm. it's less paperwork for them to do. Mm-hmm. You know? I just talk to people. I'm just like, I'm so calm because I know that I could just strangle the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. So, I don't have to worry about fighting you, you know, when they get no angry. But it, it's a really good thing. You know, I mean, there's tons of videos online that you can look up of officers being safe because it's safer for the cop and it's also safer for the bad guy, you know, that they're mm-hmm. arresting because we're not in the people get all, you know, kickboxing or boxing. We're in the business of not really being offensive, but we're in the business of restraining people. Yeah. So how do we restrain people using arm locks and joint locks, what jujitsu does, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then also on the mental side of it is you have to have the ability to problem solve. So that keeps you calm. You can't be worrying about bills. You can't be worrying about how your supervisor is trying to fuck you over. You can't mm-hmm. be worrying about, you know, oh my God, I got to go home and, you know, do laundry. You can't worry about that in the moment. All mm-hmm. you're doing in the moment is trying not to get choked out. Mm-hmm. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that is a huge thing for cops. Like right now, my, my, uh, my jujitsu school, mm-hmm. we have so many officers right now that are coming that we, t- we had to install a gun locker. It was like music to my ears. I was like, yes, that means we have cops here now because everyone has their off-duty gun. That's awesome. Come in here and lock it up, you know? I love it. So I love it. I love it, you know? And it's making for for safer people. Absolutely. And you bring up a fucking fantastic point that I don't know if I ever talked about, but like, I can tell you this. I can always tell the difference between a trained cop and then an untrained cop as far as, and it doesn't even amount, matter about um, time on. I'm just talking about you take a guy with five years on, take two guys or girls with five years on, right? And one who fucking trains jujitsu and one who doesn't. And it's exactly what you said. They, the calmness, the command presence, the, you know, the, the ability to talk, work through problems and know that if they have to take care of business, they're going to just take care of business, but they're not, but they're not stressed about it. And then you take a, you take a cop who's, who's not confident like that, man, because they're not training and they're stressed, they're tense. And, and, and if you think for one minute, Sheepdog Nation, that the, the people on the streets that you're dealing with, they're not picking up on that, especially these criminals, these bad motherfuckers who that's what they do they're reading you constantly because Hardcore they've been dealing criminals do that all day long that's right because they've been dealing with the police freaking longer than you've been a exactly cop, right you know? right and so i'm just saying i can tell the difference i'm sure you can too nick but like you just brought up a really good point of you know in jujitsu I'm going to tell you, you've got to work through problems and you've got to work through them fast because there's nothing like you're about to tap out, but you're so stubborn. You don't want to tap out so that you're almost about to pass out. But then you're like, shit, I can like, but I'm not done fighting and I'm going to maneuver. And like, if I, if I do this and if I make this move, you know what I mean? If I can get up under his arm or his leg or whatever, 
And like, you're just continuously problem solving when you're, when you're training jujitsu. And I just, I just feel like that just translates so well onto the job because you have this sense of calmness. You know, it's, it's like, amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's good for guys and girls. I know some girls are like, I don't want to be on some sweaty dude on me or whatever. Listen, it's not going to be like that. It's not the hype that you think it's going to be. It's going to, you're not going to get thrown to the wolves. You're actually going to come along there. It's going to take a long time for you to come along. It's yeah. not going to be something that you just do one, one week a year and then you're good at it. Right. You know, it's not like that at all. You know, it's going to take time. It's very difficult, but it's very good for you. You know, and we invest so much into our communities. We invest into our jobs. We invest into everybody else except our own self, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, this is the one time though, hour and a half or whatever it is that you get to invest in yourself. And you're actually investing in yourself and your job at the same time. So you're really killing two birds with one stone. You know, I, I really favor that. I mean, I think jujitsu and, you know, I can talk all day about shooting and, you know, all the things that need to change with that, but we'll have to have like a part two to this if I do that. Yep. We will do that. And I promise we will follow it up and we, and we will have a part two for sure. Awesome. Awesome. For sure. So Nick, before we leave, do you have anything that you want to leave? You want to leave Sheepdog Nation with? Um, you know what, just go out there, you know, and train. And if you have questions about jujitsu or about the actual policing job, because, you know, I'm not getting paid, neither are you getting paid to give book recommendations. So if they want to do that, they can DM us, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm down with that because there are several books that I can recommend for people, you Mm -hmm. know, both guys and girls to read that are excellent books to actually help them throughout their careers, you know, Mm -hmm. that I've read more than once, you know, I'd be willing to do that. And uh, I just really want to give just a, a shout out to, I know my uh, NYPD brothers and sisters are hurting because we had an officer get killed in the line of duty yesterday. So it really, really angered me and hurt me just because, you know, I don't know all the particulars, but just the stuff that's coming out, I don't like the way it sounds. And it really makes me upset. And, you know, I really hurt for those guys in the 102 precinct, you know, because like that cop had 19 years on the job, you know, so he was right at the end. I know. You know? So. I know. God bless all those guys. You know, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm an alum. I'm an alum, a new NYPD alum, but I still got your back. All right. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Nick. That's part of the, that's part of the, the brotherhood, you know, brother and sisterhood that, you know, we are desperately trying so hard to bring back, you know, it's going like, to come back. It's going to come back. I'm telling you. Yep. I, I believe it too. And that's why I'm here doing what I'm doing, saying what I'm saying, man. I don't, you know, my, my DM is always open and I have officers every single day reaching out to me. Like, Hey, I just, I just need to vent. Like, just, can I just vent to you real quick? I'm like, yeah, dude, all the time. No problem. Cause I'm listening and I'm not judging you and I get it, you know? And, and, yeah. and then, and then they vent and then they're good to go. They're like, all right, thank you. That, okay. Woo. I feel a lot better now. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Like, boom, yeah, I, done. That's what I do. I got all the young cops. They always vent to me. Cause they're like, you've been jammed up a lot. So, you know, we could talk to you and I go, yep, you can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. That's part of, part of, you know, being a loud mouth, I guess, getting jammed up yep. like us, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> have the experience, but thank you so much, Nick, for being here. Honestly, thank you for having me big time, big time. Yeah. I love having you, man. Um, uh, Sheepdog Nation, you're going to go down right into the um, right into the show notes. You're going to be able to click and you're going to be able to get at uh, Nick. Nick, what's your Instagram handle? Uh, it's no dash autopilot. So I'm actually because I'm learning how to be a flight uh, pilot right now. So that's where it comes from. Yep. No. Yeah. So I think it's no underscore that's autopilot. That's right. Yep. And it's going to be right in the show notes, but everybody go follow Nick. Truly, honestly, uh, he's just a cop's cop. I'm sure you've got this by now. Very down to earth, but he's real and he gives really good advice. Um, And Nick, it's an honor to have you on the show and we will have to do it again sometime. Both show. All right. Sounds good. All right, Sheepdog Nation. I will see you next time. And that was another episode of Sheepdog Nation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go to iTunes and let us know by giving us a rating. If you have questions that you want answered by Autumn in the podcast, submit it by going to the link in the show notes. As always, stay safe and watch your six.